Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another edition of Leaders Lead, Winners Win. I'm your host. My name is Cody Adams. Say it then. Who the goat? Who the goat? Who the goat? Who the goat? Who you bitches really rooting for like a kid that had bad from January? Good to see you back. Uh, hey, how are you? I'm channeling my inner Travis Kelsey. Shaved the beard a little bit. Got the mustache flowing. I didn't shave my head because it is what it is, but I got a little swag going on. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. So, look, I, uh, I'm i in the mortgage industry. Realtors, mortgage folk, I don't care. If you're listening to this, like, grab a pen and paper. I'm going to go through some things. I want to I share some stuff with you on how we've been uh, pretty damn successful over the past 14, 16 months uh, that we've had our company open, live, ready, taking calls, so on and so forth. I want to help you guys. Um I, th- I just think it's it's the right thing to do. Part of my life and part of my goal is to give back. And um, this podcast, uh, the charity work that we do, um, the leadership that uh, ultimately I, I'm honored and, and privileged to be a part of and, and lead my guys, the leadership that I can exempl- exemplify, so to speak, and, and, um, and work with and work on is all a part of me giving back. But look, it's November... 17th Friday night and um, it's about 8 p.m. here in Arizona we had a long long week I got sick it's a long story we're kicking ass and taking names uh, when it comes to our, um, our, our our business we're almost at a hundred million dollars in total closed loan volume in just 11 months um, I couldn't be more proud of the group we're up to 20 people at this point um, all in uh, with who's starting next month. And um, we have two more starting in January. We're busting at the seams at our place. and I'm super excited about it. I think I told you guys a few podcasts ago, but super excited. And um, if you don't know my background, I was, uh, was a bartender and I was going to chiropractic school in 2014. Made a decision in July of 2014 to see what Quicken Loans was all about. The company that I started my mortgage career with. A couple of my buddies worked there. Now, a lot of my buddies have or still do work there. Uh, met a lot of great people at that organization and uh, spent almost nine years of my life there. Um, in 12 months, uh, I was, uh, I was a, a banker and then the other, so for one year I was a banker and then the other really eight, seven and a half, I was a leader at the organization. I've seen rates uh, from, you know, let's just talk about the last five years in general, but um, I've led thousands of people over that, by the way, that nine years. Um, I've uh, seen it all. I've led it all. I've led through COVID. I've led at remote. I've led new bankers. I've led seasoned bankers. I led people that are older than me. I led people that were younger than me. I led people that uh, were um, women. I, le- I led people that were gay. I led people that were straight. I led people that um, went through some serious things in their life and helped them out with it. Um, I've done a lot of cool things in, in leadership capacity from a from a banking perspective or loan writing perspective. I've overseen thousands and thousands and hundreds and hundreds, almost probably billions of dollars in revenue um, and in loans closed. Personally, um, I've closed every single loan that there is from a HELOC to a HEAL to a, a bridge loan to a construction loan to conventional FHA, USDA. VA, all of it. I've seen it all. Uh, adjustable rate mortgages, assumable loans. I've done divorce buyouts. I've done every damn thing you can possibly think of. There's probably some things that you're like, oh, you haven't done this. Sure, whatever. Um, I've seen every objection. Um, I'm not a master at all of them, but I'm a jack of all trades, that's for sure. 
uh, when it comes to objections. I'm fairly good at sales. But I wanted to come on here and not only talk a little bit about my path, but I want to talk about really just the last five years and where the marketplace has been, uh, where it is now and where it's going. And I hope that you can, I don't care who you are, I hope that you can look back at this and one, say that I was right because that's going to be the goal. But two, um, um, because I gave you good advice, but then two, you read this or you listen to this or you watch this or whatever the case is um, and you gain a little bit of perspective and you're better equipped to handle the future because that's all we have is the present. And obviously we're looking for, towards the future on what, what's going on. But the last five years have been unique, right? Like you think about um, 2018, this is 2023. So 2018, rates were at about 6%, right? We just came off a low four, high three, low four, went up to 6%. Um, you had equity positions climbing from 2012 all the way to now, um, where I remember in the beginning of my career in 2014, um, we were doing harp loans where people were 200% upside down in the home. They had no equity. Equity position was the smallest they've ever been ever in 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14. But now we're at a different spot. 2018, people were starting to get equity. They understood that a five and a half or a 6.5% on a mortgage was a hell of a lot better um, in paying off their debt than keeping their credit cards at 21%. We then saw 2019 rates drip dip from six and a half percent to about three and a half percent in 2019, 3.99, somewhere around there, low fours. And, and things were good in 2019. We had a pandemic um, that uh, brought interest rates. I'm talking about 30 year fixed rate mortgage, uh, conventional. We saw rates come all the way down into the twos, really the ones, man. I had a 1.99% 30 year fixed rate mortgage, crazy. Um, we had arms at 1.75, we had 15 years at one and a half percent. It was a crazy, never will happen again, hopefully. Um, and you'll see why when I talk about it, hopefully it never happens again. It was an anomaly. If you have that rate, great. But obviously there's other things that you're paying on. So don't be house rich, uh, but poor all the way around. And then all of a sudden after COVID and really 2022 is when we started our company, February 2nd, 2022. So 2222 is when we started this organization and kind of went live in June or July of 22. So again, 14, 16 months, just kind of depending on when this airs and so on and so forth. But uh, we went from two to, uh, to eight. And that was a byproduct of the Federal uh, Reserve and uh, Chairman Powell, Jerome Powell, raising interest rates really over the last 14 months that we've been in business. Go figure, right? Um, the sharpest they've ever risen and the most they've ever risen in a shortest in the shortest amount of time. So a par interest rate or the federal funds rate, which the federal funds rate, if you didn't know, this is good stuff for you to know, realtors and maybe people that are new or clients, the federal funds rate is what the rate of which the Federal Reserve lends money to organizations or banks. So it was at zero through COVID and really 2019 all the way through COVID and through to 2022. And then it started to rise and as that number rises, so does the rest of the interest rates because other companies, mortgage companies and banks, they need to make margin, which is the difference between the federal funds rate and what the actual rate that they're selling you, the consumer, right? They need to make margin. And some of those interest rates like uh, Bank of America, no offense, Rocket Mortgage and Loan Depot and other companies, those are higher rates. Retail banks, those things are higher because the federal funds rate right now is at five and a half. So if their margin is 2%, that means their normal interest rate is going to be seven and a half. And you probably saw big banks and retail lenders alike over the last, I don't know, four or five months, the middle of, uh, middle of 2023, rates were at eight and a half percent. Why? 
because they have all this overhead and all this spending and all these people to pay and all these huge salaries and all these different things. So when the federal funds is at five and a half, they were selling you eight and a half. We were allowed to get away with selling you or having our consumers take advantage of interest rates are a full percent lower, about seven and a half percent when rates were at eight and a half percent everywhere else. So that's kind of how that whole dynamic works. And I can get further down into that, that deep hole, but that's how first mortgage rates in general work. So federal funds rate, that's one thing. The second thing that I just want you to think about is how it's closely tied to the stock market and to the 10-year treasury yield. So the 10-year treasury yield typically dictates, because if you're pulling money out of stocks, right, you're putting them into bonds, a safer bet. The 10-year treasury note is a good note, is a good bond to put money into. And when that rises... That means typically mortgage rates rise. So if you ever wanna look at something, look at the 10-year treasury. If it's rising, that means rates are going up. If it's on a down slope, that means rates are going down. So that's something just good to look at. And then third, for second mortgages and really short-term interest rates, um, specifically credit cards and auto loans and so on and so forth, you gotta look at something called the prime rate. A lot of the, the second mortgages, whether it be a HELOC or a HELOC, either follow the prime rate or LIBOR, which is London Interbank Offer Rate. So, uh, and that's specifically adjustable rates too. So anyways, that's something that's at, I think it's at eight and a half percent on average been four and a half percent. So you have rates high all the way across the board for banks or lenders like me or us to, to, to borrow money from, to give to you. Right? So we get money from them because you can't access the federal funds rate. You can't access the prime rate. You can't access the LIBOR rate. You can't access these interest rates. You can't look at the 10 year and be like, oh yeah, the 10 years at four and a half. I want a four and a half. That's not how it works, right? There has to be a bank of which you get that through. And the difference between that rate and their rate that they're giving you is again, their margin. The smaller that margin is, the better rate you have. The smaller the company is, the better rate typically it is, but you sacrifice things along the way. So the point is we're trying to, a kinfolk specifically, we take all of the good things from all the big companies all the culture and the fun and this and that, all the cool things. And we leave all the bad shit, which is like high interest rates and bureaucracy and red tape and the, uh, the uh, inability to say bro or fuck or shit or whatever you want to say on the floor. We take all that stuff, that red tape, that nasty stuff, we throw it away. We take all the good stuff and we bring it in. But, you know, long and short, I just wanted to kind of highlight those three things. I want to show you a few other things as well, hopefully in an educational realm. So the rates going from two to 8%. When rates were at 2% and it was 2019, 2020, 2021, every single person and their mother was a real estate agent or a mortgage loan officer. And the reason why, with all due respect, is because the demand was so high and the supply was a little low when it comes to uh, houses to buy, but the demand or the, the demand and the supply was high when it comes to mortgages. The supply was high because mortgages because rates were so low, we were giving rates away at 2% and everybody wanted in. So if you had a pulse and you could pass a test, you could be a realtor or you can be a mortgage loan officer. 80,000 people, 80,000 people in 2023 left the mortgage industry. 150,000 came into the mortgage industry between 2020 and 2021, two years, 24 months. In 2020, 2020 and 2022, two years. In 2023, 80,000 people left. So 70,000 people are still hanging on by a threat. Why do I tell you this? I tell you these things because it's a good thing that rates went up. It's a great thing that rates went up for professionals and people that identify themselves as this is their career. They're a realtor. They're a mortgage loan officer for the rest of their life. It's a great thing. It's a fantastic thing. It might not be great for the economy, 
But then also it is. Why, well, why would you say that, Cody? Because if I can't, I need to borrow some money. No, you need to stop spending. You need to save your money. You don't need to borrow anymore. You need to save what you have or get a better job so you make more money so you can pay things off faster. See, that's the difference. You think you need to continue to borrow and keep up with the Joneses. You don't. If it was at 2%, you would, right? And, and the Fed and the government saw that. Like, shit, if we keep things at 2%, People are going to just keep spending, spending, and spending, and spending. The home values can only go so high, right? Like, you can't continue to drive up home prices at the rate that they were driving. The equity positions right now in 2023 are the highest they've ever been in the country's history. There's trillions of dollars of equity positions across the country. Trillions of dollars. And it's a little bit more expensive now because rates went up to access those funds. But it's... it's, it's um, it's pick your poison. It's a catch 22. I lose my 2% to get to a 7%, but I access the equity that I have. Because remember, folks, and I know I'm kind of all over the place here, but I, pre I hope you appreciate it. Equity, you can't access it unless it's one of two ways. Remember, you can't grab a shingle and then go pay for a gallon of milk. You can't grab your doorknob and go purchase a down payment on a car or whatever the case is, right? So this stuff's important to understand, but you can only use your equity two ways. To refi, whether it be a second mortgage or a cash out refi to pay off real debt, leverage that equity, or sell the home. One of the two. There's not like a magical program that this, no, it's one of the two. You sell the house and move out, or you do a, a second mortgage or a cash out refi. You take equity out of the home. Anyways, it was a really good thing that rates went from 2 to 8%. Not only was it good for the economy, because of the reason I just said, not only was it good for the mortgage industry and the real estate industry specifically because it kicked out all the fuck bags, excuse my French, but it kicked out all the people that shouldn't be there, the posers, the, the folks that were, were bottle girls and then realtors right after. No offense. It kicked out all the, the, the security guards at, at the local club that wanted to be a mortgage loan officer that happened to pass a, the, the safe test. That's just the reality of the situation. They were just there because they wanted to make a quick buck. See, quick buck never solves anything. You got to be in it for the long game. So all of the posers, all the people that shouldn't be there are all leaving the industry. And all the players, the people that are rooted with inside of the industry, really care about the industry and want to do this for the rest of their life and have it be their life's work. Again, their life's work, they're still going to stay. So went from six in 2018, again, the last five years to two in 2019, 2020, 21. To now they're seven ish percent in November, six and a half, seven. They were eight, but it's a great thing that it happened. Well, why would Cody, why were rates so high so long? One, to kick people out, two, to make people stop spending because they were trying to combat inflation. Uh, and then three, they understood that if they uh, lowered interest rates super fast, like overnight from eight percent, for example, uh, you know, in, in mid 2023 to five, you know what would happen? Your home values would shoot up. Everybody would be in the market. The market would flood. It'd be a nightmare. It'd be reverse engineering what we just tried to undo when it comes to inflation. So let me tackle uh, the inflation. How do you combat inflation? You make people stop spending money. It's simple. You stop printing money, which our administration's done a really shitty job of. They printed more money in the last three years than all of the money combined since we started printing money. Think about that. 2021, 2022, and 2023. They have printed more money in those three years and 36 months than the entire existence of our country combined. That's how inflation happens, folks. When you rapidly dump in a bunch of money into the system, guess what? 
your dollar gets devalued, okay? Number one, that's how that happened. Well, how do you stop it? Well, you got to get the people uh, to stop spending it. How do you do that? One, you raise interest rates because we know the U.S., the people, the Americans that are in the U.S., they can't stop spending. They're going to keep up with the Jones. They're going to fucking spend money all day long. That's what they're going to do. Well, they're going to borrow money to do so because they don't make enough money because they're keeping our median home or median uh, salary so low that you can barely afford anything. That's a whole different story, but they're going to continue to borrow money. Well, shit, let's raise the interest rate so they stop borrowing money. So we saw that. We saw spending go down, consumer spending go down. We saw unemployment go down too, but we saw consumer spending go down because rates went so high, right? For so long. And then now we're seeing some unemployment go up. So how do you combat inflation? Number two, one, you raise interest rates to make people stop spending. Two, you get people out of the job place, job marketplace. You guys see all the job cuts. I don't care what the thing says, what the labor statistics and all this other stuff. And if you look at the labor statistics and what Biden says and all these folks, they say that they've added so many jobs. They added jobs because there was lost jobs in COVID. Okay. Lost jobs in COVID, you put jobs in that weren't there, that were already lost. That's how you gain jobs, number one. Number two, you look at the, the labor statistics. The labor statistics, they come out all the time, once a month, twice a month, once a month. Anyways, you look at them. The biggest added jobs are people going from full-time, losing their job, to part-time. So they're adding jobs that way. It's all bullshit. We have an unemployment problem with inside of this country. It might be low, but I promise you not for long unless something starts to change. What you're seeing right now at the end of the year in 2023, by the way, you're seeing, guys, the marketplace come down a little bit right before the election. This is my third election in the mortgage industry. Every single time rates come down the election year. It is what it is. And they continue to slide depending on who gets in. It's just the truth. Look it up. So. Things are getting better. Gas prices better. Everything's getting better. Why? Because the incumbent president, Biden in this case, wants to be reelected. Well, if you're going to be reelected, you better get shit together, especially with how shitty the economy is doing currently. So you better lower interest rates and get things moving again, even though inflation is going to go up and you're going to undo what you just did. But that's literally what's going on. That's why they stayed so high for so long because they're combating inflation. The other thing is that the rates stayed so high for so long when they didn't need to be technically because we didn't want home values to shoot through the roof. Supply of homes on the marketplace shoot through the roof. Even though it'd be great for me, it'd be great for my realtor friends, for you probably, a mortgage loan officer or whoever else is real. It'd be great. But ultimately, if rates went from eight to five overnight, we'd have massive massive flooding in the marketplace and people borrowing, spending, buying, and doing bad things, which ultimately would increase inflation, which is what we don't want because we don't want to end up like other countries that have experienced hyperinflation like Venezuela and others that ultimately had terrible things happen to their country and things go into dire straits to get back on track. We're not in dire straits right now. We're just going through some pain. Holy shit. That was just the last five years and what's going on right now. Let's talk about the next 18 months. I know that I'm all over the place. Hopefully you're following. Hopefully you're listening. You're like, holy shit, I didn't know that. Or, or maybe uh, you've, I've heard, I've told you something that maybe has struck a chord and you need to share this with somebody. Do it right now. Thank you so much. I'll take a, take a second. You go ahead and share. You go ahead and share. You can just hit share, copy link, and then just put it on your Instagram story or whatever. But the next 18 months. So the end of 2023 into the summer of 2025. Well, I'm going to give you some tips and hints and things that we're doing and some things that you should do. Number one, you should try and gain as much market share as you possibly can. There's a lot of great folks that have left the industry and went somewhere else. 
There's a lot of uh, folks that are standing on the sidelines or they're in a, a company that they absolutely hate. And how you gain market share is with hiring great human beings with great set of values and a great set of standards that are teachable and have integrity and uh, uh, are coachable and things that uh, that you would like to share and people that you would like to be around. You gain market share with bodies. We figure that out kind of the hard way and we understand that now. So market share, you uh, increase your, your partnerships and you increase who you hang out with. Like we're with United Wholesale Mortgage, Matt Ishby and the group. They're the best thing that's ever happened to our company. They're so cool. They're so awesome. Um, that's who we're going to hang out with. We're going to increase our product line. We're going to keep the main thing, the main thing, right? You want to keep the main thing, the main thing. You want to keep it to increase market share. Like if you're a refi shop, like we are 85% of our business is market share or any 85% of, of our business is refi. The other 15% guys is purchase. We're not going to just dive into purchase and all of a sudden become a purchase shop. No, we're really good at refi. We're really good at second mortgages. We're really good at that. We're really good at those things. We're going to also do purchase because we're great, but we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's how you create market share guys. The second thing that you should do that you need to do that we are doing is branding, creating a brand. The top big companies, they're not direct outbound people. Like you don't see, uh, Mars, which is the candy company. You don't see Coca-Cola outbound dialing, reaching out to random people and trying to sell them Coca-Cola. They probably did when they were little and a small company, but you got to think bigger. How do you stop being a startup? How do you stop being a small company? You stop doing small company shit. Okay. You don't get too big for your britches or over your skis, as they say, but you stop doing small company shit. What that looks like is branding and building a reputation through five-star Google reviews, through a, a, a great word-of-mouth campaign because you know that your people have such integrity and you have such high standards your company, they're going to treat your, they're going to treat your clients the right way from start to finish. And you're going to treat them, the, the team member, the bankers that you have, you're going to treat them the best that you possibly can and, and, and with the most utmost respect. And you're going to love them and nourish their career and help them so much so that ultimately you're building a reputation that lasts through ages and that goes and spreads like wildfire through word of mouth. That's the best, best campaign you can have is a, is a great reputation in a brand that someone can recognize. And that's what we're trying to do. You got to put your logo on everything. You have to uh, uh, brand yourself as the authority with inside of the industry. And that's what we're going to do over the next 18 months. Again, we're going to try and gain market share uh, through many different things, keeping the main thing, the main thing, branding, and then having a great reputation. What's What else? Well, over the next 18 months, I, I highly recommend you go through your systems and processes and you get them down pat. See, I think for kinfolk specifically, I'm glad that we didn't start our company in 2019, 2020. Like, I could have made millions and millions and millions of dollars. And the, for the people that did, and you know who you are, and you probably listen to this or have seen this or whatever, I know who you are. And I'm shame on you for like cutting people and firing people like you made so much money over the last two years as CEO, hopefully you didn't squander, but you should be able to hang on to these people, teach them and, and put them through, um, lead them through maybe a tumultuous time that was of 2023. But a lot of you guys, shame on you for cutting those people, even though you made so much money, but I'm glad we didn't start the company then. I'm glad we didn't make millions and millions in 2020 and 2021 through COVID and all this other stuff. You know why? Because right now through this time when rates have risen the highest, these are the good old times. And you know what? We're still doing incredible. We're still getting market share, building a brand. We're building a great reputation. We're making money and it's a little slower. And when you're talking about systems and processes and perfecting systems and processes and how a business should be run through common sense practices, 
it's better to do it in a slower season than in a faster season where you can make more and more and more mistakes. We've made mistakes and they're minimal and they're minimized because we don't have to run at the same speed as if rates were at 2% and we had the door being knocked down, right? It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different of a speed of the game and we're learning along the way. So we're learning how to create systems and processes. What do you mean by systems and processes? Well, our average clear to close right now, so from start to finish is 12.68 days. So our system and our process and our technology that we're building and all of the pieces that we have and the promotions and the that we're building a, a separate processing company and all kinds of stuff, all that stuff is being built currently right now. We also have really focused on a loan tracking system. We understand that rates are going to come down. We have over 600 clients in the last 14 months, 600 clients in the last 14 months, this is November, over the next 18 months that are going to refinance once or twice. So we know that we're going to flip that book of business, not only because we have the best interest rates and the best process that we're perfecting and system that we're perfecting, not only because we have a loan tracking system that tracks their rate against the current marketplace and alerts us when it's the best time for the client, which is something we've built internally and ain't no bullshit. It's awesome. I'm super excited for it because I know the clients are going to benefit for it. And so are our guys in the form of commission and taking care of other people and making them save money, making clients save money. Not only because of those two things, guys, not only because of those two things, but because we made a decision too that we're going to not just do purchase and refi, but we're going to do second mortgages because we understand that clients didn't want to touch their two and three. I get that. So let's do a second mortgage. Here's what it looks like. Is the commission less? Yeah, but who cares? I'm getting a client for life that's going to tell their friends and family about who we are. I'm going to perfect my process through repetition of 600 clients as opposed to 100 over the last 14 months of just refis and purchases and saying, no, 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 I don't do those because I don't make enough money, which a lot of you guys did, by the way. We're developing systems and processes and we're learning along the way. And ultimately, it's not only going to benefit our guys, our company, but it's going to benefit our clients because they're going to be the best of the best. Lights turned off. That means that we probably have to go. The last thing that I'll say, last thing, this is great. It's like, it's like story time with Cody. This is the last thing that I'll say, guys. Get in your get in your hood and get in your blanket. Grab your popcorn. Okay, do your thing. You got to stand out and be unique. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You guys are still bringing boxes, donuts to fucking real estate shops, man. It was loan officers. You're still going to lunch realtors with these mortgage people trying to get their deals. Like, you guys knock it off. We have some stuff we're working on right now that blows things out of the water, knocks people's socks off. You have to stand out. You got to be unique. You got to do different things over the next 18 months to build your brand, to build your company, to build your book of business. You can't do the same thing and expect a different result. So love you guys. I appreciate you guys. We're at like 23, 24 minutes. The lights are turning off. It's late. It's a Friday night. I got to go. Bye.